everything that we do, we try to be thinking about our future selves when we do it. And we'd rather fix the problem now when we're renovating versus um, doing just like a surface level renovation now and then having to think about this property again in the future. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? The guests on this week's episode of the podcast are super inspiring and have purchased their first house hack in Worcester, Massachusetts. Today, we get a chance to chat about a bunch of different topics. In this episode, we jump into starting the REI journey after college, the pros and cons to doing renovations yourself, learning lessons you don't learn until you actually begin investing, and so much more. There is a ton of awesome value in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 92 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of chatting with Matt Millette and Claire Durand. They are a couple awesome house hackers in the Worcester, Massachusetts market. Guys, what's going on? Super excited to have you on. How's everything going today? Great. Thank Everything's you for going us. good. We really appreciate you having us on. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm excited to, uh, you know, kind of dive into your guys' story and, and the house hack and, you know, kind of jumping into things. So actually, to kind of segue right into that, you know, tell everybody like a little bit about you guys, like what kind of gave you that real estate bug and give us kind of like your superhero backstory, if you will. <laughs> All right. So um, we both went to UMass Amherst um, together. We we're in the same grade. And um, I, while I was at UMass, I was driving bus for a while. And so while driving bus was starting to dive into a bunch of podcasts. And that's what kind of led me to the bigger pockets slash real estate world. Um, and then that bug kind of caught on Claire. And ever since then, we've been addicted. So yeah, at the time that Matt discovered the podcast, I'd actually been feeling a little bit discouraged about real estate because at that point I had already known that I wanted to go into real estate. But at that point I was looking at it from the standpoint of like being an agent and doing sales was the only way to go about it. And that previous summer while in college, I was a leasing agent for the summer and I actually really hated it. <laughs> so I was kind of discouraged, but once I discovered bigger pockets, it was kind of like a light bulb went off and I was like, wow, there's this whole other side to investing. And I never really considered that side of real estate. And yeah, we both got super into bigger pockets after that. That's awesome. I love that so much. I know. I, I totally agree with you. Like, it's so crazy. Like, you know, just kind of like if you thought about the real estate industry, like before kind of finding this sector of it. Like that might be, you know, just what's on people's minds is like, oh, well, you know, like I think, you know, the assets themselves are cool and like single families, condos and like, you know, all this crazy stuff. But like that's that's not for everybody, you know, and like but like you said, you know, there's actually a whole nother side to this that's like completely different. And it's like the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I first start start diving into the podcast, that was back with like the OG and they would just like pick a member, go through their story and like the success that they had. 
Um, and that's where I just started hearing like all these people just like us are getting started and they're having success. Like they go through the numbers and like, wow, this is like pretty great. Um, and you know, just kind of slowly started introducing and dabbling into it. We started getting books and like, yeah. we think we can do this. So. Yeah. So after we graduated, we decided that the first step would be to try to house hack. Um, so we spent, uh, I would say the first six months after we graduated, just saving up money and just continuing to learn before we actually took any actionable steps. And then around eight months after we graduated was when we actually started the whole process with getting pre-approved and finding an agent and going to look at houses. And I think that definitely took longer than expected. It took over six months for us to close on our first property. Um, but yeah, now we closed last November and we've been house hacking since. That's awesome. I love it. I know it, it can definitely, um, it's, it's interesting, you know, kind of like jumping into the game for the first time, you know, like after, you know, like you spend all this time like learning about it and everything, like it, it is definitely like the scariest thing in the world for most people. And like, tell me a little bit about like the first multifamily that you went into, like, like the first showing ever, like, you know, like straight up into this, like, let's do this. Like what was kind of going through your head? Like, was it, was it like kind of scary? <laughs> yeah, it was very scary. So the agent that we found, he was a really great agent. What he does is he does tours every single Saturday for all the properties that are currently on the market and having open houses. And he just invites anyone who wants to go and learn. There's no pressure to just go and he just educates you about the local market and about the properties. So we decided to go and we were very scared. <laughs> and the first property we went into, he was actually like, nobody in this group is going to buy this property. This is a bad property. <laughs> but we really loved his honesty right up front. And from there, every single Saturday for months after that, we just kept with it and kept going with him to continue learning about the market. And about three months later was when we really felt comfortable to start making offers. And during that time, we saw the good properties out there, the bad properties, and it really helped us just refine our criteria and discover what we were looking for to help us feel confident in our offers. I think that's super important. Something you said there is like, especially like the more properties that you're able to look at to kind of be able to give a gauge on like, you know, some of the ones that are like, you know, maybe like top of your price range or like top of the price range for the market, like more of a, a turnkey, you know, kind of style. And then some of the ones that are maybe not so much and, you know, kind of like feeling your way out, you know, on, you know, the type of repairs that like you're okay with taking on and some of them that like, you know, don't even bother, like, you know, this isn't the house and um, especially because you were going to be owner occupying it too. You know, I, I feel like that kind of adds a whole nother level of like, you know, this isn't just going to be a property where like other people are going to be living, like we're actually going to be living here. So like. <laughs> You know, yeah. you got to kind of add that, that factor into things. <laughs> yeah. That was a big thing for us too. Like if, if we were touring properties on certain streets where maybe we couldn't, you know, kind of see ourselves living there, like it didn't feel like the safest place to be. Like we knew that, you know, we, if, if we didn't want to live there, maybe the tenants that we were hoping to get don't want to live there as well. So we just kept looking and then eventually just narrowed down our criteria, of like exactly what we're looking for, uh, ended up finding it. So. Yeah, we always say we want to be comfortable living in any property that we buy, whether we are going to live there or not. Yeah, 
I love that mentality too. You know what I mean? Like just to kind of have like a, a comfortable, like, you know, like suitable, I guess, kind of place, you know, for, for people to go and live and it's, or like desirable, I, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So tell me a little bit about, you know, like the property when you first moved in, like, was it like, did you have to do like a fair amount of work to it? Or I guess what was kind of going through your head at that point too? I, I'm always curious. <laughs> we did. Um, it ended up being a lot more work than we anticipated. Um, so we actually found this property off market. Um, it was through some people that I'm kind of related to. Um, so that's another tip that we have. Always let everybody know what you're trying to do and that you're trying to buy so that they think of you if they're ever going to sell a property or if they know anyone selling. Um, but since we knew them and we knew their motivations, one of the things we knew they didn't want to do was to clean out the unit that we we're going to be living in. So when we first got the property, the first thing that we had to do was clean out the entire unit. It was completely full of furniture and everything. Um, and then after that was when we began starting our renovation, which we are still working on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a, we, a long we literally time. filled up like a 20 yard dumpster full of furniture that was left here. Yeah. <laughs> Just like fully stacked it in. It was insane. <laughs> got the deal done. Right. Yeah. I really think that did help get the deal done. That's huge. You know what I mean? Like to be able to, you know, just take something that, you know, a seller might not necessarily want to deal with, you know, go in, solve the problem and, you know, on the back end, be able to actually like, you know, solve their problem and or their problems, I should say, and, you know, benefit on the back end and, you know, be able to get into a, a solid, you know, property right off the bat. Yeah, I think that's like where you find the best deals too. like if you're you know, if you're benefiting and you're solving their problem or maybe it's their headache or whatever. And at the same time, they're solving yours, they're benefiting you. Like that's where the best deals are made. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. That's awesome. <laughs> so do you have any, uh, I guess, or let me phrase it this way. So what's kind of the most like interesting story from your property from the past seven months, I think it's November. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot yeah there's there's been a lot um well i guess just to to give you some context of like where we've come so far yeah um when we bought this property we you know we cleaned out the second floor because we were going to live in that floor so we kind of dove head first into renovating and this being our first one we were super eager to start diving into the weeds of fixing it up <laughs> and stuff and um shortly after that uh two months later one of the tenants moved out so we had our first tenant turnover so we were like fully into a renovation and then they decided to move out and had to switch gears to do a turnover on their unit mm -hmm. and so that was a pretty brutal and grueling process but we have just finally finished right yeah so our unit was put aside for that five months while we renovated the third floor and we pretty much have done everything ourselves except for the electrical and plumbing work, just all the things that require you to pull permits. Um, but yeah, pretty much every surface has been touched in the unit. The renovation scope just keeps increasing because you know you have a plan in mind and then you get working on it and then you realize that there's unforeseen issues and just other things that you could do now or you could put off, but it's probably better to do them now. 
everything that we do, we try to be thinking about our future selves when we do it. And we'd rather fix the problem now when we're renovating versus um, doing just like a surface level renovation now and then having to think about this property again in the future. That's absolutely huge. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, guys, we were talking for a couple minutes before the call, and uh, that, I was just telling these guys, I'm currently going through my first unit turnover. And actually, the room that I'm in right now, there should be a wall. If if I wanted to get, you know, to fix this, like, set of bedrooms how I wanted it to, there should be a wall, like, right here. But that kind of got disrupted, you know, once my tenant said they were going to leave. <laughs> so I, I definitely feel you on that one, you know, and... Uh, basically just trying to like bum rush everything to get it done as fast as possible and get moving to minimize the vacancy and like, you know, just make sure that everything's going okay until you can kind of get it, you know, stable again. And then, you know, hopefully kind of, kind of settle down a little bit and, you know, kind of work on some of the other stuff that you wanted to originally. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, like the unforeseen problems that you encounter when you're diving into it is like insane. Like we've, so many different things and times where we were like just wanted to do like a high level renovation you know kind of clean it up a bit and then we're, we're looking at it and it's like why are we gonna you know bother spinning our wheels when we're gonna have to do this in a couple years again so we just had to like dig deep and do it right do it once that's a really good point yeah you know and like it's interesting too because like one thing that i've discovered very very recently is like you know, just kind of having the vision for like how you wanted to turn your unit over. And like, for me, that was that was definitely the fun part of like looking at like the kitchen from like a different angle be like, yeah. oh, you know, what about like a two tone color scheme, and like refinish yeah. the cabinets and until you actually kind of jump into it. And I'm like, crap, I'm like, I'm only one guy trying to do all this, you know what I mean? And still working on it. But yeah. Yeah. So we anticipated that it would take two months. And it took five and I think we really just didn't understand how much time it would take when we only have the nights and weekends with working our full-time jobs. And I think next time that's a big lesson, we will be hiring a lot more stuff out. Um, we did get some quotes for various projects before we got started, but we were factor, we were basing that on the renovation taking us two months. But since it took so much longer, we didn't factor in having that vacancy and having to cover the additional mortgage for all those months. So maybe in some of those cases, it would have just been cheaper to hire out the work. And then yeah. we would have made a lot more progress on our own unit in the meantime. I don't blame you at all. And like, I feel like that's a really important lesson that like, we don't really figure out until we actually get into it. And we're like, crap, we probably should have did that different last time. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I think the really big thing is though, is like, you know, the both of us are definitely learning that lesson at the moment, you know, like next time around, like I literally already have like a standard operating procedure written up for like a unit turnover. And like, you know, it's pretty much just going into a unit, like figuring out what needs to get done and then rather going to, you know, who can get it done rather than, you know, how can I do this myself? Because yeah. it's, you know. I don't know. I, I feel like it's just kind of easy to, to kind of bite off more than we can chew, especially, you know, same here, like same with you guys, you know, having full time jobs and like a couple other things going on. And it's tough because, you know, it might look like painting the room might only take, you know, a couple hours. But then like three <laughs> days later, you're like, crap, we need another code on here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. yeah. And yeah. I think for us too, like um, now that we're kind of proving ourselves to like our friends or family, um, 
you know, like now I think for the next one, we might want to leverage some of those relationships uh, for maybe some private capital to help flip a unit quicker. And then, you know, if you flip it faster, you can start getting income quicker. Like now we've, we've sat on this vacant unit for five months where we have to cover the mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, but if you renovate it quick, you can pick up that capital. So. Right. And we're also learning even more what we want in our next property because you can only know so much before you buy your first property. Um, and now our criteria is so much more refined. One big issue that we had to deal with here was um, lead paint and having kids in the unit and just following the mass state laws for all those things. And before we bought our first property, we knew that that was something to consider, but we didn't know the cost of that and we didn't know how strict all of the laws were so i think going forward like for example that's just one thing that we'll really look for are the units already deleted are there children living in the units without them being deleted and now we obviously know the steps that we need to take if we do get ourselves into another one of those situations but we've just learned so many small things like that that'll help us so much for the future definitely let me ask you this i've heard there are like programs in Massachusetts to kind of, you know, incentivize people to get like the lead certs and stuff for their units. Did mm -hmm. you guys kind of, you know, like use any like programs at all? Or like, I guess, how did that process kind of go? So we did look into the programs, but the programs are, well, it varies depending on the program, but they're based on your income as well as the tenant's income, which we did not know. So you and your tenants, depending on which program you use, um, would both have to qualify. And just in our case, we just weren't able to qualify based on those constraints. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's another program um, that's offered. So that one's Worcester specific. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another program that's offered where it's like essentially a loan and you don't have to pay it off until you refinance or um, sell. And then uh, the, the only reason we didn't want to do that initially um, be, was because we were FHA. So we, we were hoping to refinance um, to get out, you know, to get out of the PMI and all that. But now that the market has shifted, we, we still haven't refinanced yet, but yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you guys. Let, let me ask you this. What's, what's your uh, interest rate from November? Is it like 2.75? 2. 2. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm almost still, it's crazy, but I'm almost still considering refinancing just because I do want to free up my FHA loan again for the future. Yeah. And I think with how the trends are going, rates are going to continue to rise. And maybe if I look back in six months, I'll regret not refinancing. I don't know. It's tough. It is. That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I um I got my three family in uh, December. I'm at two point six, so I, I totally feel you. I'm like I'm probably <laughs> never gonna refinance ever. Like <laughs> you know, but yeah. who knows? You know what I mean? I think Was that's that a really yes. Yep, Claire. I, I think that's a really good point. You know what I mean? Like from uh, a tactical play, you know, it might be worth you know depending on the situation and and the strategy that you guys want to deploy to be able to get the opportunity to, to free that FHA up, to refi into conventional or whatever the case may be, to be able to then, you know, utilize that again somewhere else and, you know, be able to double your units or, you know, something like that. 
Yeah, and another thing to point out, the way we chose to finance this property um, was for just me to get the FHA loan. Um, and we did that. So now in a year, Matt can easily get another FHA loan and only all have that debt. And it'll be easier for us to continue to repeat the process and give more time between um, refinances if we want to keep using FHA. That's wicked smart. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, another piece of that too was like while she was saving for her down payment and everything, I was just absolutely hammering my student loan, just like just paying that off. Mm -hmm. So now I'm free and clear of that and just accumulating my savings now, just ready for the next. So it was like, it was tough, I think for you at first, cause you're like, I'm doing this all by myself. Yeah. But I like knew that if we trusted the process, I think it's going to pay off. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I definitely agree, man. You know what I mean? Like to be able to jump up that pre-approval amount, you know, significantly, it might be down the road, you know, once the, the student loans have, you know, yeah. gone down significantly or, or dropped off altogether. But if you trust the process, you know, it's, it could be extremely worth your while, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to see it in the moment sometimes though, you know, cause it's like, all right, like, let's just, you know, like just hit it and tough to stay patient sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I almost had to develop like a, it, it was weird. I got into this groove where I just like just would stop questioning it and would just keep dumping money every single time into it. And just like, eventually it was just dropping it. It felt so daunting at first, but then you start dropping down that like, you know, decimal or whatever. And you start seeing like the progress and you're like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And then finally I just let, uh, pulled the trigger and just paid it off. I love that. It's funny, like, you see some of the posts on Instagram sometimes about, like, you know, I mean, more or less, you know, in, like, Dave, yeah, like, Dave Ramsey's kind of realm, you yeah. know, where people are, like, $216,000 in debt, and then it shows, like, five years, like, this amount that, like, you know, just dribble down to nothing, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it felt good that we were both working towards financial goals at the same time, because we were both being so careful with our spending and really only spending on the essentials so that I had enough money for the down payment and uh, Matt could pay off his loans. But just knowing that you weren't doing that alone felt really good. And I think it taught us to um, be really careful with our spending. And to, it also showed how quick you really can save up a lot of money if you really think about what you're spending. Yeah, like a, a lot of the naysayers think that, you know, you, you have to come from this background of, of privilege to be able to afford these properties and you know part partially that is true but at the same time like we nose to the grindstone we grinded that and and did it ourselves so yeah you're, you're totally right you know and it's um i feel like really you know anybody can do it you know what i mean like especially having that you know three and a half percent down five percent down you know lower barrier to entry and especially, you know, with the fact of if you're going to buy like a three or a four family, you know, those rents being able to get added into, you know, your debt to income and actually be able to potentially leverage something a lot bigger. You know, it's like real estate is just an unbelievable asset class. Like it's literally like the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was huge being able to count the other rents from the units. It's people we know are like, how are you able to like afford a property like that? And I'm like, well, I'm using the other incomes and I'm using a loan where I'm only putting three and a half percent down. And a lot of times they're like mind blown because they have no idea that that's even a thing. So it just goes to show that 
if you educate yourself, you could find out about so many opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise known about. It's crazy. It really is, you know, and especially just from having, you know, conversations like these or, or at meetups or listening to, you know, audiobooks, podcasts, like if you're just kind of constantly in that realm of, you know, just hearing these conversations happen and, you know, or these books read or, or whatever the case may be, like, you know, just picking up the nuggets is so like just gold sometimes. And um, it's, it's crazy because like a lot of this kind of stuff, like the majority of people don't know about and it, it's kind of messed up. But I mean, it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, um, like uh, I heard a couple weeks ago, actually, that there is some sort of loan program or programs out there that's like 5% down conventional for like duplexes or something like that with like a, um, I don't know, like a, a tiered like interest rate like thing or something. I'm not too familiar with it, but just kind of hearing something like that, it's like, whoa, all of a sudden, now you have a choice besides FHA. You know, like, it's right. not like it's FHA or, or bust. You right. know, it's, and who knows, you know, maybe it's like one credit union that offers this and like, I don't know, like Waltham or something. And like, you don't know until you have conversations with people that have done it or, you know, just hear other stories and stuff and just see like how possible it is. And it's like, whoa, that's actually like game changing. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you learn about all the benefits that buying is, then like it comes to the point where you just don't really feel comfortable renting anymore because you know how much better off you would be from buying. When we were looking, we had been putting in offers and we were really struggling to get an accepted offer. And it came to the point where we almost considered renting for a little while, but just because of how educated we were on the process, we just couldn't do it because we just knew that we'd be so much better off just waiting a little longer and waiting for the right property to come along. I totally agree. And like, it's like, you're so close to, you know what I mean? Like you've done like all this homework and like gone through like the bank's initial underwriting. Like you literally just need someone to say yes. And it's like, come on, <laughs> like we're so close. <laughs> yeah. That was a brutal time where right where the houses were just like flying off the shelves. You're just having trouble probably they weren't even looking at an FHA offer. Like, yeah. Pretty hard back then. Yeah. There were some open houses that we went to where we waited in line for like 30 minutes just to go inside. And in our minds, as we're waiting in line, we're like, our FHA offer is not going to be competitive if this line is this long. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. You know what I mean? And it's crazy to think like of where, you know, the market is right now and the a very, you know, kind of strange spot that we're in versus, yeah. you know, six months to a year ago, you know, where like, like you said, you know, there was literally like lines out the block and like 20 offers coming in, like 50,000 over asking, like with no contingencies yeah. or anything. It's like, whoa, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to kind of see, um, see what the market's doing right now. You know what I mean? And like the direction that we're going to go and like, it's, it, we're in a very interesting spot, you know, and I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what's going to happen in the next six months, you know, to see if things might swing a little bit more towards the buyer side, like properties might sit for like actually a little bit for once. Um, or, you know, if the interest rates are going to just keep increasing dramatically and, you know, kind of drop in purchase power. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's what do you guys kind of think, you know, is your prediction? It's tough to say. <laughs> it's really tough to say. I still think, relatively speaking, inventory is low and is probably going to stay 
fairly low. And based off of everything we have heard, I do think rates will probably continue to go up. But I don't know, there might be so many fewer buyers then that there will be much less competition. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think inventory is going to go up? Um, I'm thinking, I mean, my prediction would have to be in the next, I mean, we're kind of in the, a prime season right now for, you know, inventory coming up, you know, like the middle of the summertime, like, you know, kids are out of school and everything like that. Um, I'm not really sure to be honest, you know, because I'm pretty sure there are like more rate hikes coming for the interest rate, interest rates, which will drop purchase power even more right but in the meantime if there's still you know a fair amount of listings coming up you know during this season like you know and there'll be less people to actually be able to pay like those wicked outrageous prices well i should say you know what people were paying before you know maybe like we'll start to get offers that are actually you know closer to asking or even under asking you know and like maybe you might actually have a couple days to make a you know decision instead of like a, all right like five minutes okay. from now like it's already under contract you know it's like crap like you know it's gonna be interesting it's so hard to predict because when we were looking last year everyone kept saying like rates are gonna stay low and now you look at rates and some <laughs> drastic changes have happened within six months so i'm like who knows what it's gonna be six months from now if this can happen you know yep but i think too like six you know six to eight months ago when it was so hot i think there was a lot of buyers in the market that weren't so much familiar and like deep into the real estate weeds like you know both of us are um where you we've even seen like some of the places that we've toured are coming back on market as if like maybe they overbought it it was too expensive it was a bad property um and i think you'll see less of that less of that just um overabundance of this capital in the market where it'll be more strategic plays uh coming up in the future definitely yeah no i, I totally agree <laughs> and that i mean that will hopefully help us out out because i'm <laughs> right. be approaching a year and you know another six months so a little less yeah yeah that FHA is going to be up pretty soon guys <laughs> time to <laughs> hit number two another <laughs> uh-huh it's extremely exciting you know and like yeah. i don't know about about you guys but like when i was first looking i was like oh fha like yeah it's only a year and like you know to owner occupy but you know in the bigger picture that's like two seconds like that'll fly by and oh, no yeah. problem but like i don't know like for me in the first couple months it like you know it, it felt like it was literally taking absolutely forever but kind of looking at things now, it's like, crap, like we're already six months in, like we're already halfway there. You know, like it's just another six months to go and, you know, moving on to the next thing. Yeah. What are your plans? Are you planning to buy another property next year after you've been there a year? Um, I might keep owner occupying this one. I'm mm -hmm. planning on getting a roommate once I move to one of the other units. And at that point, like I'll actually be cash flowing, um, depending mm -hmm. on like how I play my cards. Um, what I do want to do is i realized recently that i do have a, a decent amount of equity in the property which is very surprising after buying it six months ago so i'm hoping to kind of take out a heloc or you know kind of see what the process entails and like how much i could potentially get access to and have something like that at the ready for when you know something does come up 
and um, you know hopefully be able to partner with a couple other people on something or you know if another project comes up and just be able to, to just jump you know and, and take a lot of the processes from you know this property and, and just be able to keep pushing them forward you know what I mean and refining them as time goes on and um, basically just trying to keep systematize things as as we go you know and just make it easier and go from there <laughs> yeah that, that's huge now that we're in like the market we want to stand for the, the near future um you know once once this unit is done and we're renovating we're living comfortably like we can really just take our time and when we find the, the golden nugget that we want to pull the trigger on we do it versus before we were kind of just like trying to get everything that was in reach mm -hmm. and now we have our sights on like a few of these properties that are like out in certain locations we always drive by or kind of sighting down so we're ready to start pulling the trigger yeah you feel the pressure to get the first property as quickly as possible um but after you get it it really makes you think about things and now we'd be much more comfortable waiting for the right property for the second property because now um, we're having a new lease start for the unit that we had vacant this week and then we'll be living for free so we're kind of comfortable staying for a while since we'll have achieved that goal definitely yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I, I feel like that's kind of the the big thing is like just to get into that first one, like right off the bat yeah. and like just at least get your feet wet, like both feet in and, and just jump into things. But then like as you jump into it, you're like, all right, like let's get rid of that, you know, housing expense and then we can yeah. cruise for a little bit, you know, while we're, we're saving up for the other property or, you know, trying to leverage other capital or raise other capital. And it's like, all right, like we're in this now and like, you know, we just got to find the, the right place for our money and, you know, just just keep rolling, you know, but like it's almost as if, you know, there's not as much of a rush, um, you know, and like you to your point, you know, you can maybe be a little bit more strategic with it rather than like, all right, like, let's just get into this thing. Like we've been learning long yeah. enough, like, let's just get it done. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, you know, gives us other opportunities to pursue like maybe private capital or creative financing versus before we were just newbies and just trying to get it done. Yeah, and it'll also just, you know, once we're done renovating, it'll free up some of our time that's been taken from us. Um, we're happy with all the time that we spent on the renovation, but there's other things that, you know, we wanna be able to pursue in our free time and we just really haven't had the opportunity to do that. So looking yeah. forward to that as well. And also just, you know, having a little break so we don't get burnt out and we're still excited about real estate and excited and pursuing our next project. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel you on that one. And it's, um, it's tough, you know, especially in, you know, kind of the position that we are where like, you know, you literally have to get this stuff done or, you know, that money's coming out of your pocket for the vacancy. And it's like, all right, like we got to get this like under wraps and let's go. And, you know, it's, it's so easy to just kind of like get lost into things. And then, you know, I feel like one thing to be really self-aware of is, you know, like just when you've been working too much and like just making sure to your point that you don't get burned out. And it's yeah. like, all right, like we know we have like a million things to do and like not a million things are going to get done like tonight, although it would be great. But, you know, just to kind of like take it easy once in a while. And like it's easier said than done, you know, because like I feel like most of us you know, in the real estate investing space, like we just want to keep building things, you know, and like, we're not really just going to kind of like sit down, you know, and like call it a day most of the time. And, um, I feel like it's tough to, you know, to kind of like just stop like once in a while, you know, and just kind of like relax, <laughs> you know, yeah. 
managing the burnout is definitely a, a very hard thing that we've faced because we've been going steady for you know almost the past six months now and yeah it's like it's hard seeing all your friends and everyone else around you having fun enjoying vacations but like you said you know if, if you got an open unit you got to get it done because we're paying out of pocket for it so exactly yeah i think it would be much harder too if we didn't love what we do like obviously we do real estate because we think it's a great investment for our future but we also do it because we love what we're doing and i think you really have to especially if you're going to be that hands-on if you don't love it as much. I think you need to choose a more hands-off strategy and you have to recognize that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And like to your, to your guys point earlier of like, you know, projects, you know, maybe going a little over budget or, you know, like past timelines and stuff. Like, I feel like if, if you don't love it and like, you know, once it, it kind of gets to those spots where it might test you a little bit, then, um, you know, you might not do so well, <laughs> you know, if, if you're not really like in love with it and, um, yeah, you know, once it, things kind of kick you around a little bit, you know, it, it might be tough to kind of keep moving forward, but you know, if you love it, it might just be like, oh, well, like that really sucks, but <laughs> you know, like I don't really have a choice and let's do this. Like, let's get it done and learn from it. And yeah, I think it's important too. like, you know, we've been to a few of the meetups here in Worcester and I, I and like this podcast, I think it's important to like surround yourself by people that are in the same space as you going through the same motions. Cause then it kind of like gives you a reality check. That's like, all right, you know, although you feel burnt out or maybe you feel like you're kind of spin your wheels, like there's people out here doing the same and they're, they're being successful with it. So it kind of gives you that little boost of motivation to keep pushing you on. Yeah, one of our goals um, for once we have some more time is to really just start networking more and meeting more people in the area, um, just to have connections. And it's always good to be able to have connections and just, you know, when you do reach a point of just needing help with something or you just have a quick question, it's nice to be able to have people that you can turn to and just say like, hey, I have a quick question. Would you mind helping me out with this? Um, and that's really huge because a lot of times they've already been through those things. Yeah, it's definitely the name of the game, you know what I mean? Like, just to be able to, you know, kind of, like, go through this together. You know, like, everybody, generally speaking, is, you know, to your guys' point, like, going through the same struggles in, in one form or another. Like, if we're able to, to kind of be there for each other and, like, you know, when things hit the fan, you know, just being able to shoot a quick text or a quick call to somebody and be like, hey, you know, this is what I got going on. Um, you know, like, what would you recommend? And like, it might be one of those things where like, it's really hitting you hard in the moment, but you know, the person that you met at like a meetup last week, or like, you know, you went out to coffee with a couple times or something like they might've did this like 10 times in the past five years and be like, Oh, it's all right. Like, it's all good. Like just do this, this, and this, you know, and it's a game changer, you know? Cause like, you're not left wondering and you know, I mean, obviously, like, it's important to kind of, you know, for us to figure things out, you know, on our own, I feel like to a point, but also to be able to deploy the resources to get things done, like the right way and like the most efficient way possible. And um, yeah, you know, just be able to be a resource to other people as well, you know, and be able to, to share your experiences and, you know, hey, like, watch out for that. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, try and get three contractor quotes because, you know, this one didn't work for X reason or, you know, like whatever the case is, you know, like just like little things that, 
um, that could really change the game, you know, for some people if different things that happen. Yeah, there's so many different things that we've learned going through this process for now, like if we were to do it again, it would just like before we would lose sleep over it. But now it's like we would know exactly the steps to take and how to handle it and realize that it wasn't that big of a deal back then. Yeah, I remember, for example, the first time I had to set up the um, security deposit account for a tenant that I inherited. I was like nervous going through the whole process, but I just wrote down all the steps and then I had to do the same thing last week for my next tenant. And it just felt like nothing because I'd already done it once. I knew the whole process at that point. And yeah, I think we can feel a lot of pressure because if we don't get this stuff done, no one else is going to get it done and take care of it for you. Like at your job, if you're struggling, there's always people that you can probably turn to and go to. But within real estate, you have to find those people for yourselves. And you also have to learn how to just problem solve on your own and become really good at it and realize if you solve it one time, it'll be much, much better the second time. Yes. I feel like it's almost like, you know, that first time that like you buy a property or do a a unit turnover or, you know, get a quote from a contractor. Like, where the heck do I find a contractor? Like, how do I vet them? I feel like it's generally speaking, like it's just kind of that first time of like building like the baseline and like even if things go like really sour like you know if that contractor like you know burns you or something like that or you know like just things don't really go to plan exactly for you know x reason like i feel like even at that point where like things aren't really looking so well like you have a baseline and like an experience like now the next time around you know you'll be able to take that experience and and just you know make sure that you don't do that the next time And like, you know, you're just building on that baseline over and over again. And, you know, like the more reps you put in for, for whatever the thing is, like, it's just going to be like second nature, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's just kind of, you know, building a process for everything that we're doing. And like, you know, once you have the processes done, like you'll be able to, you know, turn over units in the snap of a finger and like, you know, um, yeah, like that kind of thing. And. Yeah, going through the going through those motions too, like, you know, trying out different contractors, like you start to eventually develop like this kind of idea of like who you're looking for and you start to meet these uh team players that you want, like kind of in your in your um arsenal to use if you know things ever come up. And we've already met like so many great like uh contractors, agent, you know, like um the the people that we've been using for like the lead stuff that we just want to keep close to us and keep treating them well because they've been awesome to us. So. Yeah. And once you find someone or a few people that are good, they typically have um, really good people that they can recommend for different things because typically if they're really good at what they do, they know other people who are really good at what they do. Definitely. I forget who um, who says it on the Bigger Pockets podcast. It might have been Brandon Turner, but uh, he, they say like, you know, rock stars hang out with rock stars. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's true. It's true. Definitely. Yeah. It's, um, I feel like it's, um, oh, I forget where I was just going with that. Anyway. <laughs> so what, uh, what's kind of like your guys is like, you know, long-term vision, you know, and, and like your drive for, you know, continuing to buy more properties and what's kind of like that bigger picture look like? Um, So for now, our goal is to keep house hacking one time per year. 
and eventually we would like to get into other larger multifamilies and we hope to start incorporating using private money and things like that and then um, I'm interested in getting into some short-term rentals in the future and Matt's interested in self-storage but things are really kind of up in the air I feel like what we think we want to do keeps shifting as time goes on but we know that our baseline for now is to just keep house hacking once per year in this market while we still choose to be here. And then hopefully we can get to the point where we have enough passive income, where we feel comfortable, um, where we could explore other careers within real estate, where we're not so reliant on our jobs and we're able to take more risks with our careers because we have that passive income to kind of pad us to explore other things. Yes. I love that so much, you know, and it's, it, that's just wicked cool yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like the ultimate goal I, I would say for any of us is like right financial freedom but like what does that actually mean it like it's to start getting like some of the the finer things in life right? it sounds kind of cliche but like your time your freedom you know like your freedom to pursue other careers like she was saying like um you know like i eventually want to start my own business and maybe pursue like the contractor side of things. And I think Claire might want to dive into like the real estate agent side of things. And maybe we can continue to grow our portfolio with those two niches. But in order to do that, we have to get to a point where we can, you know, feel a little bit comfortable to step away from our W2. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. Like, you know, we're just kind of like buying our freedom. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> buying, buying that time back that like we have to give to, you know, those people for 40 hours a week and <laughs> you know and eventually that's not going to be the case and it's uh it's going to be extremely exciting you know and like just be able to like you guys said you know like just just try out those different avenues and like oh you know like or just be able to pivot a lot more you know and not worry about you know having to pay for all the bills and everything and you know because your housing is going to be free or you know you're going to be getting paid to live there or you know whatever the case is and just kind of like exploring like you know what life has to offer i guess <laughs> yeah so i got one more question for you guys that i i love to ask everybody and that is how do you define wealth we actually kind of talked about it a little bit that's not gonna go but <laughs> yeah i would say um you know to me like wealth is an abundance of freedom um, for time and an abundance of freedom for financial reasons and you know being able to like do things you want kind of when you want um, where you want I think that's like the ultimate goal and and then hopefully that'll trickle down and we can start helping others yeah and I think especially as people get older they naturally become more busy as they have families and things like that and just you know having the time to be able to be there for them and for just other family and friends in your life. Um, that's just really what we'd like to be able to do. Definitely. I, I totally agree. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for coming on here, guys. That was absolutely awesome. Where on um, like social media and stuff can you guys be found? Um, we have a Instagram for our real estate that we just pretty recently started. Uh, I think the username is Claire, <laughs> <Yeah, we already laughs> <Hold on. laughs> 
It's too new. We don't it's, know. <laughs> yeah, it's we a, would like to become more active on it. It's it's Claire underscore Matt underscore R E I on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. And so we have we have a few posts of our two renos that we're doing. We call it like Reno One and Reno Two, and yeah, hopefully we we'll hope get to post more soon. Yeah, some more before and afters for. I love it. I don't know. It's definitely tough sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, so just kind of keep up to it, keep up with it. And like, you know, sometimes you just get so caught in the moment and your renovation and there's things that you're like, Oh, I should have taken a picture of that. <laughs> um. Yeah. Claire's always like the documentation person. And I'm just like, <laughs> I need to get this done. Like, Go get your phone and take it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You're definitely right though. But yeah, again, you know, thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on. That was absolutely Thank you for awesome. having us. We really appreciate it. It was very fun. <laughs> All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigot Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.